Jeremiah, keep flipping pages, and you're going to come to Lamentations. Now, don't flip too fast because it's only five chapters, and you'll go right by it. But Lamentations, and we're going to be in Lamentations chapter 3 today. And we have been in a series entitled Hope That Heals. And today I want to talk about how hope heals that we can be risen from the rubble. I mean, do you ever feel like that sometimes life just goes crazy enough where it feels like you're just surrounded with rubble? That life just falls apart and no matter where you look, man, it's just like rubble all around. And, and, and you just have this, like, the rubble of discouragement, the, the, the rubble of being overwhelmed. And, you know, sometimes, how about this? Have you ever um, sinned and made a mess of your life, kind of, sort of, in a way? And you look at that and you're like... I've made a rubble, just a mess of my life, rubble all around, all right? How about, how about the rubble of heartache and pain and, 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 and hurt? How about the, 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 the rubble of, of just feeling confused of everything that's going bad in life? I don't know about you. Do you, have, you just kind of feel like the last year there's been a lot of rubble, all right? Now, why am I talking about this? You, because this is where we're going with Lamentations 3, that in these times... When, when you look at your life and it feels like you're standing in the middle of rubble and you feel like you've lost hope, you feel like you, you've, you're, you're just discouraged to the bone, you, you feel like, where's God at in the middle of this? I want to tell you that hope can rise out of the rubble. And that's what we're looking at from Lamentations chapter 3 with the prophet of Jeremiah. And, and what we're going to see in, in Lamentations chapter 3 is that Jeremiah got to a place where, man, he was discouraged beyond belief. He got to a place where he, his hope in God was gone. But something takes place where a shift happens. And then all of a sudden, he's seeing his hope rise from the rubble. Now, why do I keep using the word rubble? Because i got to give you some context of, Je of, of Lamentations. Lamentations was written by the prophet of, of Jeremiah. Now, Jeremiah was a prophet to the, the nation of Israel and to the nation of Judah. Now, remember that at, in, at back in, in, in ancient Israel, Israel was divided into two kingdoms, Israel and Judah. And, and specifically in the book of Jeremiah, God, or, or, uh, Jeremiah was, pro was, was a prophet to Judah and telling them, um, you all are sinning. He, he was telling the king, he was telling the people that God has been, he, he sent me to warn you. You've, you're rebelling against God. You've walked away from his, his law and, and, and you're, you're, you're living in, in, in really wicked sin. And you got to see this. you got to wake up. Because if you don't, God is going to discipline you. And he's going to allow an enemy army to walk into this place, and he will destroy it. Well, how many of you know, um, and I told Paula this, I would have hated to have been an Old Testament prophet. All right? It's hard enough sometimes being a pastor preaching a hard, a hard message. I couldn't imagine being a prophet because you're walking up to a king and going, dude, repent. And the king, this, so in, in Jeremiah's case, the king was like, did you forget who you're talking to? And they put him in prison. They're like, just lock him up, throw the key away. We don't want to hear it. Well, unfortunately, Judah did not heed um, Jeremiah's um, call. 
And um, God allowed King Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon to come into Judah and destroy it. They destroyed Jerusalem. It was a pile of rubble. Jeremiah is at a place where he's seeing this. He's at a place where he's looking around and all he sees is rubble. And he's gotten to a place where his heart became very discouraged. But we're going to see how he changes that from being discouraged to seeing, having no hope to seeing his hope rise from that rubble. So I want us to learn from, from Jeremiah today and see what we can glean from this. And if you are at a place where you feel like rubble is all around, life is just falling apart, and you feel hopeless today, I want to believe that hope can rise from that rubble. So let's take a look at a couple things that you and I can, can, can do in order to see this hope rise again. Here's the first one. Focus on and trust in the love and faithfulness of God. You need to focus on and trust in the love and faithfulness of God. Now, I, I, in order to really appreciate and to understand where Jeremiah is at, I have actually have got to read um, the first 20 verses. Because if, if, if I just jumped in, the real text where, I want, where we're going to learn, see what, how hope rises starts in, in verse 21. And if I just jumped into that, you'd be like, well, why is he here? Let's get an idea of where Jeremiah is at. So chapter 3, let me begin with verse 1. And I would encourage you, follow along with me so you understand and, and see what's going on here. Jeremiah writes and he says, I am the man who has seen affliction under the rod of his wrath. The his, he's talking about God. So when he uses the, the pronouns of his, he, him, he's talking about God. And he goes on in verse 2, he says, He has driven and brought me into darkness without any light. Surely against me he turns his hand again and again the whole day long. He has made my flesh and skin waste away. He has broken my bones. He has besieged me and enveloped me he has, with bitterness and tribulation. He has made me dwell in darkness like the dead of long ago. He has walled me up about so that I cannot escape. He has made my chains heavy. Though I call and cry for help, he shuts out my prayer. He has blocked my ways with blocks of stones. He has made my paths crooked. He is a bear lying in wait for me, a lion in hiding. He turned aside my steps and tore me to pieces. He, he has made me desolate. He bent his bow and set me as, as a target for his arrow. He drove into my kidneys the arrows of his quiver. I have become the laughingstock of all the peoples, the objects of taunts all day long. He has filled me with bitterness. He has stated me with wormwood. He has made my teeth grind on gravel and made me cower in ashes. My soul is bereft of peace. I have forgotten what happiness is. So I say, my endurance is perished. So has my hope from the Lord. You tell me. Is he in a good place or a bad place? He's in a bad place, all right? He's not going to church going, woohoo, let's worship today. He is, hey, tell me again, do you think he's angry or upset at God? A little bit. In fact, he's even blaming God. Jeremiah's in a bad place. He's like, here's what God's done to me. 
He's gotten to a place. I mean, look at the last few verses there. Verse 17. My soul is bereft of peace, meaning it's the, the NIV says deprived of peace. I have forgotten what happiness is. I say my endurance is perished, so my hope is from the Lord. I mean, he's gotten to this place where he, he is just struggling with God right now. He's struggling with what has happened. He's struggling with what he's seeing. He's struggling with what has taken place. He is sitting there going, I, I, I'm done. My endurance is perished. Meaning, the job of me as a prophet, I don't want to do this anymore. I, I, I've, I've run my race and I'm done. I have no peace inside. I have no happiness. In fact, I don't even remember what it means to be happy. He's like, I don't even have hope from the Lord right now. It's not a good place to be. It's almost like God told Jeremiah in the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah, go tell my people this. Go tell them to stop sinning. Go tell them they, they, they need to lock this off because if they don't, I'm, I'm bringing an army against them. And, and they're going to be taken over and they're going to be taken into captivity. And it's almost like Jeremiah was like, okay, I'll, t- I'll tell them. And he went, to, he went to, to the king and to the people. And he's like, hey, here's what God says. But it almost is like this. He's saying what God told him to do, but almost didn't expect it to happen. Because then it did happen. And Jeremiah is taken aback. He's like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. God, I, 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 I heard what you said, but I don't think I really believed it. And then when it happened, Jeremiah's like, oh, my gosh. I, I feel like I'm being torn apart. I feel like I'm just being ripped apart by God right now. And I have no peace. I have no happiness. Man, I'm just done. Do you ever get like that? Let me ask you. How many of you know the Bible says we're going to suffer? We all know the Bible says we're going to suffer. But let me ask you, how do you respond when you go through suffering? Do you ever step back and go, whoa, wait a minute now. I know the Bible says we're going to suffer, but I didn't think it was really going to happen. And then when it does happen, when... We go through the suffering in our health. We go through the suffering in our finances. We go through whatever it may be, and God is taking us through that fiery trial. How easy is it for you and I to be like Jeremiah? How easy is it that we start getting angry at God? How easy is it that we get upset at God? How easy is it even that we start to blame God? It's very easy to do. Life starts to go sideways. We have health issues that aren't going anywhere. We have financial situation that why in the world is this happening? And we look at our life and it just seems like all we see is rubble all around. And we're starting to look at God and go, what's the deal? But we need to continue on with Jeremiah because he's not quite done yet. Look at verse 19. He says, remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. In verse 20, he says, my soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. The NIV says is downcast within me. So now he's praying. He's like, 
God, remember my affliction. He, he, he's like, God, do, do you see the pain that I'm in? Do you see the hurt that I'm going through? Remember my affliction, God. Hey, God, do you remember my wanderings? It's almost like he's comparing himself to Israel wandering through the desert. He's like, I'm out here all by myself. No one else cares. And he even said, it. I'm the laughing stock of people. And then he goes, God, do you remember my wormwood and my gall? Wormwood and gall are pretty much the same things. They're bitter plants, even poisonous. And they, it's like, it's like it, it, when, you when you eat it, you'd be like, just a nasty taste in your mouth. He's like, God, what has happened to me, what has happened around me has just left this bad taste in my mouth. And God, do you see what's happening? Do you remember this? I mean, God, do you, do you not take notice of this thing? He's asking God, do you remember? Meaning, do you see this? Do you know what is happening? Let me ask you. Do you ever do that? I do. God, do you not see the situation right now? God, do you not understand my finances right now? God, do you not understand my health? God, do you not, do you not care? Do you not, do you not know? Why am I here? That's where Jeremiah is at. He's got a lot of questions for God. He's got a lot of issues going on because of the rubble. He's looking at Jerusalem and it's waylaid. And he's one of the survivors and he's looking around going, man, a lot of my friends and people I know, they've been taken captive and, and, and what am I to do? I think sometimes we're like that. We see the rubble around us and we're like, God, where are are you? But the thing about Jeremiah is, is now here's the thing. I, I, I sit and go, if that's where this left off, if that's where this finished with, with Jeremiah going, God, do you remember my, my, my affliction and my wanderings and the wormwood and the gall and stopped right there and there was nothing. And chapter three ended. How many of you know that would be um, a, a bad place to end? Because we would read this and go, well, as far as I can see, Jeremiah is really upset at God. And, and wow, that ends in a bad place. But it doesn't end there. Because Jeremiah, even though he's, he's in this funk right now, you ever been in a funk? All right, you get in a spiritual funk and you're like, you know, eyes off of God. And, 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 and that's where he's at. He, he's, he, his focus is in the wrong place right now. He, what's he focusing on? Himself. He's where he's focused on the problem. He's focused. He's looking around at the rubble. His mind is so. He, he's like God. Do you remember? Because I remember it. I. It says I continually. My soul, meaning my my emotions and my thoughts, my soul, continually remembers this thing. And if this is where we finished, if this is where this left off with Jeremiah, just focus on the, the, the problem, the pain, the hurt, everything that is going sideways. If that's where that left off, it would give you and I no hope. But it doesn't stop there. Because even though Jeremiah is so focused on the pain, he's focused on what God, you know, where's God? Why is he not remembering? And, and what's, what's the deal? And, and, and he has a shift. 
Something takes place in his mind. Because look at verse 21. He says, but this. Everybody say, but. But. So, so he, he's traveling one way. He's thinking one way. He's viewing everything one way. He's on this one-way course. But in a matter of a moment, he says, but. So he's going north. But in a matter of a moment, he's going to be going south. He turned right, but in a matter of a moment, he's going to turn left. And he's like, okay, but this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. You see, he was so focused on everything else. He was focused on the horizontal. He got his eyes. His eyes were on God, but in the wrong way. His eyes were on God, but in a negative way. He was, he was, he was questioning God. He was, he, was, he was all out of sorts with God. He had no hope from God. He, he, he was discouraged. He was broken. And he could have stayed there because that's where he was focused on. But I call this to mind. How many of you know faith isn't a feeling? Do you know where faith actually starts? Right here. It, it, it starts in my mind because I've got to make some choices in what I think about and what I truly believe, okay? And, when, and this is where Jeremiah is at. He's like, okay, I'm really pondering, really focused, really thinking about the wrong thing right now. i got to call something else to my mind. He makes a shift in his thinking. He makes a shift in his mind. He makes a decision to go, I've got to change my attitude right now. I've got to change what I'm looking at. I've got to change what I'm pondering on. I've got to change what I'm constantly thinking about. And he says, I'm going to call some different things to my mind. And he goes, when I start calling these things to my mind, now I have hope. So the question is, is what does he start calling to mind? And there's four things that he calls to mind. And here's the first one. Look at verse 22. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. He, 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 he's like moving down the, the, the lane of this discouragement. He's moving down the road of, of, of being angry. He's moving down the road of like, I'm, I'm done. I, I'm, I, he's moving down the road of like, I, I have no hope. And then he immediately stops. And he makes an, an about face and he's like, now I know what I need to think about. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. The steadfast love of the Lord. Because how many of you know it's easy when you see the pain, when you're in the middle of the storm, when you're in the middle of the trial, when the rubble is all around, how many of you know it's easy to go, God doesn't love us? Because how many of you remember, I kept saying that the enemy wants to convince you and me, when you are in the storm, when you're in the trial, when you're in the middle of the rubble, he will try to convince you one simple truth. God doesn't love you. Jeremiah is remembering God's love is steadfast. And that word steadfast, I, I, I said this last week, it means resolute, unwavering. And Jeremiah even says here, it's unceasing. It doesn't stop. And maybe you're thinking, Jim, yeah, you said that last week. Why do we need to hear it now? 
I mean, why are you repeating yourself seven days later? Because here's why. Um, in a few months, um, on Labor Day weekend, will be my 20th year here. And can I tell you in 20 years, I've never had anybody say, I'm walking away from the Lord because, man, he's blessed me so much. I'm so angry at God because, man, I got a promotion this week. I've never had anybody tell me, you know what, I, I'm just so discouraged right now. I have no hope because, man, my kids are doing so well right now. Never. But I have talked to people when life bottoms out. I have seen people leave this church and leave God because they have said to me, if that's the way God is, I want no part of them. You see, they believe that the Bible says we're going to suffer, but when suffering smacks them in the face, when it comes into our life, they're like, thank you, but no thank you, I'm gone. People reject God. People start to question God. People start to question the love of God when life bottoms out. When we're standing in the middle of the rubble, that's when we start to question the love of God. And the enemy is going to do whatever he can to convince you, if God truly loved you, you wouldn't be suffering. If God truly loved you, your marriage wouldn't be falling apart. If God truly loved you, your child would not be wandering. If God truly loved you, why are you so sick? You see, if God truly loved you, you would be, life would be good. And he convinces us of that. And how many of us? Begin to get angry at God. You see, here's the thing. The enemy wants you dug in like an Alabama tick. About God not loving you. He wants you to be so dug in on, well, if God really loved me, I wouldn't be in this mess. He wants you so dug in that you become angry at God. He wants you so dug in that you become discouraged about God. He wants you so dug in that you're saying the same thing that, I, that Jeremiah says, my soul is bereft of peace. I have forgotten what happiness is. My endurance has perished, and so is my hope from the Lord. That's where he wants you to sit. Because he knows if he can get you so focused on the lies of who God is, the lies of your circumstances, and the lies of who you are, he will keep you spiritually comatose. And he will get you to a place where you would even walk away and say, I'm done. But that's where you and I have got to see. This is why these verses are so valuable for you and I. Because as I said, as we have taught, that we have a weapon to fight against the enemy. And the weapon is what? What's your weapon? The word of God. And guess what? These verses are weapons. So when the enemy is telling you, hey, you know, God can't love you. God isn't loving you right now. You need to pull this out. And you need to be like, no, 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 no. The steadfast love of God never ceases. He loves me all the time. That love of God is not up and down. It's not in and out. 
It's not one day, uh, well, I've got love for you today, but not tomorrow. No, no, no. It never ceases, and it is constant, and it is the same all the time, 24-7, 365, until Jesus says, give me back my breath and brings you home. It's constant. No matter what you're going through, no matter what you've done, the love of the Lord is steadfast, and it never ceases. That's one thing he brings to mind. Here's the second thing he brings to mind. Look at verse 23, or the end of verse 22. He says, his mercies never come to an end, and they are new every morning. Some of you may have a version where that um, word mercy may read compassion. In the Hebrew, um, the Hebrew word can be translated both ways, mercies or compassion, so um, it, it, it's interchangeable. But the idea is, is what Isaiah or what Jeremiah is saying. He's like, and remember, in the context of him saying this, Israel or Judah have, have, have been sinning greatly. And what he is saying is like, despite their sinfulness, despite the fact that God even disciplined them and allowed them to be conquered, God is going to be merciful to them. He, he's going to be compassionate to them. In fact, the, the Hebrew word for the idea of, of mercy and compassion actually conveys, it, it's like conveying the tender, caring love like that of a mother to a child. And the thing is, just like a mother who, ha, who is tenderly compassionate and merciful to her child, does a mother's love ever run out on, for her child? How, think about it, moms. Your kids mess up quite a bit, don't they? There are some days where you're like, oh, I'm going to check you out. You're going to go visit God real fast. But you don't stop loving them, do you? You don't, you're, you're, you don't stop being compassionate to them. Because that, from a mother's heart, that's just where you're at. And that's what the idea of God showing compassion to us and mercy to us is that it, it never comes to an end. And I love the fact that it says they are new. How often? Every morning. So think about that. You mess up on Monday. You just blow it. You go to work, someone ticks you off, and you just unrail on them. Enemy's going to tell you, yep, you blew it. You're, God's done with you. But this is where knowing scripture is so important. Because the next morning when you wake up, guess what? The enemy's going to get the guilt and the shame. I shouldn't have acted that way. And this is where knowing this verse, you wake up the next day and go, but God's mercies are new for me today. Amen. You know, there are times where the enemy will use, I mean, things that I did when I was in the Navy. So I was not living, I didn't know Christ, I didn't live for Christ. This was before I was even in the church. I did some really horrible things. And even to this day, he will use those things against me. And there are times where the guilt and the shame of that stuff causes me to go, am I saved? I mean, it's crazy. And, 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 and there are times where I will ponder those thoughts. And I will dwell on those thoughts. And it's just like the, and I, I mean, literally. And there are times where I almost like, like, Jeremiah, I have almost got to slap myself in the face and come to that place and go, no, I've been forgiven of that stuff. 
There are times where the enemy tell, tries to tell me, hey, your, your, your kids would be so much better off if you weren't such a bad dad to them. Because there were times where I'd get my frustration and I would, I would yell at the kids and, 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 I, and, and I'm telling you, the enemy just makes me feel horrible. And, and I got to, you know, and I mean, I sit and go, maybe Breck wouldn't be wandering if I wouldn't have been. And I feel that guilt and that shame. And that's where I personally have got to come back and remember and go, no, 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 no. God's mercies never end and they are new every single day. And I've got to believe when the enemy attacks me with guilt and shame, I've got to step back and go, no, I know God is, he, he loves me. And his mercies are new for my life. And guess what? It's no different for you. Because I'm telling you, the moment I started talking about this, some of you guilt and shame just robbed you of this truth. Even the enemy right here, right now is telling some of you, not for you though. You've done this. You've done that. Look how you acted yesterday. Look at the same sin you keep falling into. There's no way. No. God's mercy is not for you. And I'm telling you, some of you right now, whether you're here or viewing online, the shame and the guilt is eating you up. And right now, I'm telling you, the mercy of God never comes to an end. And it is new every single day. And all you've got to do is when you sin, when you mess up, when you and I, we're all still sinners wrapped in flesh. Jesus Christ has saved us. But man, just like Paul, the thing I don't want to do, I keep doing. The thing I should do, I don't. And sin still robs us of joy. But what God wants us to do is be able to just come to him and say, God, I blew it again. And I ask for your forgiveness. And because we know this truth, we know his mercy is new every single time. He was going to show mercy and compassion to Israel even after their sin. And so maybe today the enemy is trying to convince you God's mercy is good for everybody else, just not for you. That's a lie. Dispel the lie with the truth. And understand that God's love for you never comes to an end. His mercies never cease. And they are new every single day. And that's a truth you have to have to claim for yourself. So he recalls the love of God, the mercies of God. Here's the, 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 the next thing right there at the end of verse 23. Great is your faithfulness. I'm pretty sure we just sang a song about that. Great is your faithfulness, God. He, he's just not like, oh, God, yeah, yeah, I think you're faithful. No, he's like, it's great. God, you are so faithful. How many, do we have any Marines in here? Ex-Marines? What's the Marine logo? Semper Fidelis, which means what? Always faithful. A Marine is always faithful, my man. Semper Fi. So if you ever have someone say that, if you hear a Marine say Semper Fi, that's what it means. Always faithful. They are always faithful to one another. God is always faithful. But Jim, I'm going through the storm. He's still faithful. But, 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 but look at my health. He's still faithful. You see, the enemy, again, it goes back to the enemy every single time. When you're going through it, when you're going through the pain, when you're going through the storm, when you're going through the trial, when the rubble is everywhere around, he wants to convince you. You see, God's not faithful. If God was faithful, what? You wouldn't be here. If God was faithful, he would have already healed you. If God was faithful, you would already have the money. If God was faithful, you would fill in the blank. 
And the enemy is so good at convincing us God is not faithful. And what we learn from Jeremiah is, is that he's just think, realizing, he's like, wow, yeah, um, Israel or Judah has been taken captive and Jerusalem has been destroyed. But I believe God's going to bring us back. I believe we're going to be restored out of this rubble. I believe God's going to rise us up once again, and we're, he's going to bring us back as a nation. And he, he's trusting in the faithfulness of God. And that's what you and I need to understand, is that when we're going through it, we've got to learn to believe and trust in the faithfulness of God. The Apostle Paul knew this. You know, um, if you've read the New Testament and you read about Paul's life, um, you understand that Paul did not tiptoe through the tulips of life. Paul went through it. He was beaten and flogged. He was stoned. And he was stoned and left for dead one time. He, he was shipwrecked. He was put in prison. He was abandoned. He was mocked. He was, I mean, he went through it. Okay? And, if there, I, and, and, and you would think if anybody in the New Testament would have been like, I'm done. I ha he, you think he would have been quoting this. Um, I am bereft of peace. I, 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 I'm like, I, I don't know what happiness is. My, I, my endurance is done, and, and I have no more. You think he would have been saying that, but he doesn't. In fact, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul writes this. He says, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. You see, Paul is almost like in his mind, he's like, hey, hey, as long as I'm drawing breath, God's faithful. As long as I've got a heartbeat, it doesn't matter what's going on in my life, God is faithful. Yeah, I may, I may be in prison, but I'm not dead. I may have been beaten, but I'm not dead. I may be this, but I'm not that. So he's just like, okay, you know what? I just got to keep believing in the faithfulness of God. I just got to keep trusting in the faithfulness of God. And maybe that's where you're at today. You're going through it. Maybe just even this past year, you're just like, man, the rubble. And you have got to come back to where you're just like, you know what? I got to trust in the faithfulness of God. I got to believe that no matter what my eyes are seeing right now, no matter what my situation is saying to me right now, I've got to trust and believe great is his faithfulness. And here's the fourth thing that he calls to mind. Look at verse 24. He says, the Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. He's like, God is my portion. That word portion um, describes the idea of an allotment of land that provides the necessities of life. So just like a farmer has several acres of land and that farmer's like, this land is going to provide for me. This land is going to take care of me. That's what Jeremiah is saying here. He's like, God is my portion. God's going to take care of me. God's going to provide. God's going to, he, he knows my needs. He's my sustainer. He's my provider. So all, everything I have going on in life right now, you know what? Doesn't matter. God will take care of me. And that's where he settles it. 
he finally just comes to it in his mind saying, you know what? No matter how bad it all is, no matter how deep the rubble is, no matter what, 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 what has happened, no matter what God has done, it doesn't matter. I know God is my portion. He's my provider. Can you say that today? Can you come to that place? No matter what the doctor says about your health, no matter what your financial condition is, no matter what is going on in your life, can you step back and be able to go, you know what? God's my portion. In him I trust. You see, Jeremiah was able to finally, after him saying God is my portion, when he realizes the love of God, the mercies of God, he realizes the faithfulness of God. And he once again realizes that God is his portion. When he adds all of that up, it comes to one conclusion. Because of all of this, I have hope. His hope is not dependent upon whether Jerusalem is going to be rebuilt in the next five minutes. His hope is not in, wow, I, I really hope we have people come back from Babylon. His hope is nothing like that. His hope is, okay, I know God loves me. God is merciful for me. God is faithful to me. God is my portion. I have hope. I have hope. You and I have got to condition ourselves the same way. Every day, you and I have a choice to make when we're faced with the storms, the trials, the suffering. When you're going through it, you have a choice to make. Do we sit there and ponder it and dwell on it? And do we become and get to that place where we are so discouraged? We are so downtrodden. We are at that place where we're like, I have no hope in God. I'm just so, I'm just done. And I'm ready to quit. I'm just ready to say, man, I'm, I'm just ready just to, to move to the beach. I don't want to go to church. I don't want to, I don't want anything to do with God because I'm just, or do we like Jeremiah, this I call mine. I know God loves me. I know God is merciful to me. I know God is faithful to me, and I know God is my portion. And when I know those four things, and I recall those four things to my mind, I know I have hope. That's how you and I rise out of the hope, out of the rubble. Our hope rises when we call those four things to mind. So, focus on and trust in the love and the faithfulness of God. Here's a second thing. Pray. And remain calm as you wait on the Lord. Pray and remain calm as you wait on the Lord. Look at verses 25 and 26. It says, the Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Hey, question. What's the, what's the, um, uh, the, the main idea? The, what's the big word in those two verses? Wait. Wait. Second question. Who likes to wait? How many of you know we are so conditioned in, our, in this generation? We are so conditioned today not to wait. I mean, you ever go through McDonald's? I mean, McDonald's drive-thru. It's got to be the fastest drive-thru ever, but how many of you ever get in a line that's about mm, eight cars back and you're like, oh, come on already! <laughs> Are you kidding me? I gotta wait for five minutes to get a burger from McDonald's? 
man, this is crazy. You ever get, you ever go hostile in the, in the, the waiting line at, at McDonald's? I'm like, man, I'm out of here. And I'm driving around. How many of us like to wait? You know, I mean, we, 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 we've been trained by the, by the, by, um, Amazon become a prime member, man, you get your shipment overnight. Wow. Sign me up because I want my stuff overnight. I mean, a week for a package, that's nonsense. There's no way I'm waiting a week. How about dating? I mean, all you got to do is have the app. Swipe, swipe. Oh, there she is. 30 seconds later, you found your perfect mate. We are so conditioned. We don't have to wait for squat. And guess what that does, though? It spills over with our relationship with God. And what we do is now what we say, God, you have got to be on our timetable. And God, you need to answer my prayers like now. You need to show up now in our finances. You need to show up now in my health. You need to show up now in my kid's life. You need to show up now in my work. You need to show up now in my relationships. You need to show up now in my marriage. And God, if you don't show up now, you and I have an issue. And how many of you know God's sitting there going, I think you've forgotten who's God and on the throne. I think you have forgotten who is sovereign. See, that's why Jeremiah says two things that you and I need to do. The Lord is good to him, those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. That's the first thing that you and I do while we're in the waiting. We seek him. The question is, you tell me, how do you seek the Lord? Prayer. Any other ways? Reading the word. Coming to church. Worshiping. We're doing the things that keep us connected to him. The moment you and I pull back, the moment we stop reading the word, the moment we stop praying, the moment we stop coming to church and we isolate ourselves, guess what? You're not waiting on God anymore because all of a sudden you start acting out of the flesh. You start to push the agenda. You start to manipulate the people. You start to do whatever you can from, man, I need, I need, to, I need God to move now. He's not moving, so um, I'm going to do what I want. That becomes a bad thing because when you start acting and moving from the flesh, you make a mess of stuff. But when you and I can just wait on the Lord and while we're waiting, we're praying, we're reading his word. Because as you are praying, as you're reading his word, he, you're the Holy Spirit's going to stir you through the word of God. And all of a sudden you're going to realize, you know what? I'm not God. I'm not in control of this thing. And you know what? How many you know, do you ever have things come into your life that you can do nothing about? So guess what you have? Well, guess what your only option is? God, I got to wait on you. And while I'm waiting on him, I'm trusting in him, believing in his love, believing in his mercy, believing in his faithfulness, believing that he's my portion. He's going to take care of me. So God, I'm going to wait. And how many of you know waiting on God isn't a five minute wait? It could be longer. But the question is, are you willing to continue to seek him? And then Jeremiah lastly says, it is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Now, waiting quietly doesn't mean that you don't, like, you, 
You don't say anything. It's not like not talking. The idea is remaining calm, being still. Do you ever become restless and anxious when you're in the waiting room? Do you ever become like, I can't, okay, and, and you start talking about everything bad to your coworkers? Even you start talking bad to God, like, okay, God, this is a mess. Why am I such a, what, you know, we start getting so uptight. We start acting out from the flesh and, and we, 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 we get anxious and we, 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 we get impatient. And, and that's not good because when you and I can't be still, when we can't be quiet before the Lord, when we can't just wait patiently on him, man, we start moving in directions and doing things that get us into trouble. Next thing you know, you make the condition worse. You know, um, you know, Paul and I have been learning this with, with our kids. And how many of you know of those of you who have kids, adult kids that aren't serving the Lord, trying to push a square peg into a round hole does not work, does it? And you sit there and you're like, okay, God, we're going to wait on you. But three years later, your kid's still out there just living and not living for Christ, and you're like, okay, that's it, and you start pushing them. How many of you know when you start trying to push your kid and you start saying, you need to go to church, man, you need to get your life, they're like, oh, okay, I, I guess I just didn't hear you the first time. Or they like, forget you. And then they are even worse than where they were. Why? Because they're fed up at you as a parent. Quit Leave me alone. Let me live. You do your thing. I'll do my And it becomes a mess. So guess what you and I need to do as a parent when you have a kid that that's not, that's not living for Christ? Be still. Be quiet. Remain calm. And keep praying. Doesn't mean you don't speak truth. But you got to keep trusting the Lord. And let God's timing be perfect in their life. Because you're not getting it done. Paul and I have been learning that over the past couple years. And some of you are in the same boat. Be still. Be patient. Keep praying. Keep trusting. That's how you and I keep seeing and will rise out of the ashes. Amen? Why don't we all stand and get ready to close. Let me pray for us. bow your heads with me